Welcome back to the Word Encounter, episode 138, where we will begin our journey into the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Before we get started, let's read a little background on on this book and its purpose. I'm just going to read here. It says, uh, he began prophesying in the 13th year of the reign of Judah's king Josiah and continued into Judah's exile in Babylon. Thus, Jeremiah's ministry started about 626 B.C. and continued for several years after 586 B.C. Jeremiah saw the downfall of Judah, the destruction of Jerusalem, and the exile of God's people. Because of the tremendous sorrow this caused him, he is often referred to as the weeping prophet. Message and purpose, we drop down here. It says, uh, as judgment was being prepared for the sinful kingdom of Judah through the Babylonian Empire, Jeremiah was called to announce the rightness of the judgment because of Judah's sin against uh, God. Now, think about that. He's called to tell the people that what you are experiencing, you deserve. Wow, that's a heck of a ministry, you know, to tell the folks you're getting what you deserve. We say, um, we drop down here, but it says, the good news of Jeremiah is that despite our sin, God offers us restoration if we will repent and return to him. Amen. With that, let's get started with this book. Let's drop down to verse four, where the section title is, The Call of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah is going to hear his call from the Lord. It says, The word of the Lord came to me. This is Jeremiah writing, of course. And it says in verse five, I choose you before I formed, excuse me, I chose you before I formed you in the womb. I set you apart before you were born. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. See, so this is God telling uh, Jeremiah, um, before you were formed in the, in the womb, I already had a plan for you. I already knew what you were going to do. And I set you apart to be my prophet before the nations. It says in verse six, but I protested. Oh, no, Lord. <laughs> oh, no, Lord God. Look, I don't know how to speak since I am only a youth. And so, uh, like Moses, Jeremiah said, no, 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 no. This cannot be for me. Uh, verse seven, then the Lord said to me, uh, Do not say I am only a youth, for you will go to everyone I send you, uh, for you will go to everyone I send you to and speak whatever I tell you. (laughs) So does it sound like the Lord was too compassionate here? He said, I don't want to hear that nonsense. You're going to go where I tell you to go and you're going to say what I tell you to say. It says in verse eight, uh, do not be afraid of anyone, for I will be with you to rescue you. This is the Lord's declaration. Verse nine, then the Lord reached out his hand touched my mouth and told me, I have now filled your mouth with my words. Verse 10, see, I have appointed you today over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant. So he's he's telling Jeremiah, you know, you're going to tear down some structures, then you're going to build them back up righteously. You know, you're going to wipe some things out, then you're going to put everything back in place the way it's supposed to be. The next section title says two visions. Verse 11. Then the Lord, uh, excuse me, then the word of the Lord came to me asking, what do you see, Jeremiah? I replied, I see a branch of an almond tree. Verse 12. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly. Now, to me, that's awesome, you know, to get confirmation that what you've seen, visioned, dreamed, heard, you know, it's confirmation that the Lord says, yes, that is correct. That is what I'm telling you. That is what I'm communicating to you. 
And so the Lord said to me, you have seen correctly, for I watch over my word to accomplish it. So again, the Lord is saying, look, I don't send out any words from my prophets, my oracles, my, the people that speak for me. I don't send out anything through them that does not come into being. It says in verse 13, it says, again, the word of the Lord came to me asking, what do you see? And I replied, I see a boiling pot. I see a boiling pot. Its lip tilted from the north to the south. Then the Lord said to me, disaster will be poured out from the north on all who live in the land. Indeed, I am about to summon all the clans and kingdoms of the north. This is the Lord's declaration. Now, this is interesting here. It says in verse 15, I am about to summon all clans and kingdoms. And so even if one doesn't call oneself by the name of the Lord, he says, look, I'm going to, I'm going to summon my minions. I'm going to summon those who are going to do my bidding. So even for people that don't believe in or don't claim to know the Lord or reject him, they can still do his bidding. It says they will come and each king will set up his throne at the entrance to Jerusalem's gates. They will attack all her surrounding walls and all the other cities of Judah. And so <clears throat> The Lord is telling Jeremiah, this is what's going to happen. See, I'm showing you, I'm revealing to you what's going to happen. Jerusalem, uh, Judah is going to fall. In verse 16, it says, I will pronounce my judgments against them for, they all, for all the evil they did when they abandoned me to burn incense to other gods and to worship the works of their own hands. And so the Lord is saying, I'm bringing about this on my people, Judah, because of what they did. They turned away from me and they sought other idols and other gods, you know, and that can't be. It says in verse 17, now get ready. Stand up and tell them everything that I command you. Do not be intimidated by them, or I will cause you to cower before them. So the Lord is saying, look, I know this is a harsh word, and I know you probably don't want to deliver it to, to your people, <laughs> but you're going to do this or else I'm going to bring consequences on you. That's a, that's a tough thing. That's a very tough thing. So it says in, in verse, um, doo -doo 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 -doo. yeah. So it says in verse 19, it says, they will fight against you, uh, but never prevail over you since I am with you to rescue you. It says they don't, they're not going to want to hear this word. And so they're going to fight against you, but don't worry about it because I got your back because I'm the one that's telling you to tell them this. They're going to try to come against you, but I'm going to rescue you. Just do what I tell you to do. You know, do, do not cower before them. This is the Lord's declaration. Let's go on to chapter two. It says Israel accused of apostasy. So this is Israel, not Judah. And it says um, in verse one, it says the word of the Lord came to me. Go and announce directly to Jerusalem that this is what the Lord says. And so, well, I guess this is Judah too. Okay. <clears throat> he says, I remember the loyalty of your youth, your love as a bride, how you followed me in the wilderness in a land not sown. So the Lord is recalling, you say, I remember on our wedding day when we became one, you know, my people and their God, and we were all, all cool and everything was great. So he's saying, um, I remember the loyalty of your youth. I remember when you were loyal to me. And let's drop down to verse five. It says, this is what the Lord says. What fault did your ancestors find in me that they went so far from me? In other words, the Lord is saying, what did I do? That your ancestors, your, your fathers, your grandfathers, your great-great-grandfathers, what did I do that they veered off and started doing their own thing? Why did they desert me? 
And it says uh, that they went so far from me, followed worthless idols. And because of that, they themselves became worthless. <laughs> and, and so it says because they, they veered off track, not only were their idols worthless, but they became worthless. Verse six, it says they stopped asking, where's the Lord who brought us out of the land of Egypt? See, so they stopped inquiring of the Lord. See, I, I, I guess they, they thought they had enough knowledge and wisdom that they could guide themselves. So they just stopped inquiring of the Lord. See, it says they stopped asking, where is the Lord who brought us from the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through the land of, the, um, of deserts and uh, ravenous, through the land of drought and darkness, a land no one traveled through and where no one lived. See, they stopped, they stopped asking of that God, the one who guided them. They didn't know where they were going. God was guiding them through the desert. God was guiding them through the wilderness. God was taking them to the promised land. And so they did all this through Moses and Jeremiah. I mean, excuse me, Moses and Joshua and whatnot. So they were being led. See, they were following the Lord. But at some point in time, they stopped. They stopped inquiring. They stopped doing their own thing. When they got their own lands, they stopped. Do they started doing their own thing. It says in verse 7, I brought you to a fertile land to eat of its fruit and bounty. But after you entered, you defiled my land. You made my inheritance detestable. What I gave you, the fat of the land, that goodness, that great fertile soil, everything I did for you uh, was for your benefit so that you would prosper. But after you got it, you forgot me. After you got it, you started doing those things I told you not to do. After you got it, my inheritance became detestable. Wow. In verse 8, it says, The priest quit asking, where is the Lord? The experts in the law no longer knew me, and the rulers rebelled against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and followed useless idols. And so all structures of government, they just abandoned me. They turned from me. Even my priests, they turned from me. There's a warning here with regard to, you know, what we hear sometimes in our churches. If they're not preaching the word, go to a different church. If, if their belief system is not grounded and founded in the word of God as presented in the Bible, go to a different church. That's not the right place. See, because now they're making up their own thing. They're going their own way. You can't have that. If the Lord's going to be the same yesterday, today, and forever, such that we can depend and count on him, then the resource that we get our knowledge and wisdom from has to be the root of everything. And it does not change. <clears throat> let's see. Let's go on to... Uh, yeah, let's go on to verse 9. It says, this is the Lord's declaration. I will bring a case against your children's children because, you know, your leaders and, and, and whatnot have abandoned me and, go, and gone their own way. I'm going to bring my case against your children's children. I'm going to hold this against you. Let's go on to verse 13. And it says, for my people have committed a double evil. They have abandoned me the fountain of living water, and dug cisterns from it for themselves, cracked cisterns that cannot hold water. Now, what does this mean? It says these people have committed two sins. See, first, they've left me. They've abandoned me. But not only have they left and abandoned me, they left and abandoned me for cracked cisterns. In other words, for idols. They abandoned me, and they picked up these foreign idols, these other gods. 
They love them. They love me for them. <clears throat> the next section says consequences of apostasy. Because you, you do these things, you, you have to expect that there are going to be consequences. You can't just think you're going to do these things and not experience any consequences. It says in verse 14, is Israel a slave? Was he born into slavery? Why else has he become a prey? See, see the Lord had protected Israel from all these nasty things as they were going into the uh, promised land and conquering lands and, and getting their territory. But now it says, has Israel become a slave? Why else has he become a prey? Why else are others preying on him? And they, they were the conquerors. Now they're the ones being conquered. In verse 15, it says, The young lions have roared at him. They have roared loudly. They have laid waste to his land. His cities are in ruins without inhabitants. See, And so we see that uh, Israel has been um, a prey of the other nations, and they have been losing, losing territory, losing, uh, losing people. <laughs> says, there, there are no inhabitants of the land that I gave them. Let's go to verse 17. And it says here, You have not brought this on yourself. No, have you not brought this on yourself by abandoning the Lord your God while he was leading you along the way? And so, you know, what's being said is, this is your just dessert. I mean, this is... This is what happens when you don't listen to me. This is what happens when you turn away from me and you look at other. This is what happens when you're unfaithful. This is like infidelity. This is what happens. In verse 19, it says, your own evil will discipline you. Your own apostasies will reprimand you. Recognize how evil and bitter it is for you to abandon the Lord your God and to have no fear of me. This is the declaration of the Lord God of armies. So the Lord is saying, look, your own evilness is going to be uh, the one who disciplines you because of your own apostasies. See, and so this is going to, um, you're going to be reprimanded because of this. It says, but don't, don't just be reprimanded and, and, and be punished. It says, recognize how evil and bitter it is for you to abandon me. You know, come to grips with this. Don't just suffer the consequences. Realize where they're coming from. And then it drops down. Let's drop down to verse 23. And it says, how can you protest? I am not defiled. I have not allowed the, I have not followed the veils. So God is saying, how can you say that I have not followed these other gods? Look at your behavior in the valley. Acknowledge what you have done. <laughs> Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. Acknowledge what you have done. And then it says, this is kind of harsh. It says, you are a swift young camel twisting and turning on her way. A wild donkey at home in the wilderness. She sniffs the wind in the heat of her desire. So what does this mean? This means that you are like an animal in heat, needing to get satisfied. It says in verse 24, a wild donkey at home in the wilderness. She sniffs in the wind in the heat of her desire. Who can control her passion? Verse 25, keep your feet from going bare and your throat from thirst. This is saying <laughs> stop being so thirsty for, for other things. Stop desiring other things. But then it says this. It says, but you say it's hopeless for I love strangers. And I will continue to follow them. 
See, and so you got to say, look, you say that I can't control myself. I can't help myself. You know, all of this other stuff out here is so desirable. I want it. I just have to have it. And a lot of times we say the exact same thing. You know, we don't want to do right because we feel like we have to have it. You know, we get involved in infidelities. We may be married to a wonderful spouse. We see something else. Lust comes over us and we just feel like we have to have it. And that doesn't have to be for other people. It can be for other things. I can't control myself. I have to have it. And so you succumb to it. And then you place these other things over the importance of following the Lord. Let's see. That was uh, verse 25. Let's go to um, next section. It says, judgment deserved. In verse 31, it says, uh, evil generation, pay attention. Evil generation, pay attention to the word of the Lord. Have I been a wilderness to Israel or a land of dense darkness? In other words, have I been one that you could not find? I'm readily available. You turned away from me, not me turning away from you. It says, why do my people claim we will go where we want? We will no longer come to you. See, the people got full of themselves and they said, look, we'll do what we want to do. We don't have to listen to you, Lord. We can do what you want to, what we want to do. And so this attitude qualifies them for judgment. (laughs) We drop down to verse 34. It says, moreover, your skirts are stained with the blood of the innocent poor. You did not catch them breaking and entering. But in spite of all these things, you claim I am innocent. In other words, not only were you seeking other gods and doing other things, the way you treated the poor was wretched. You know, you, 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 you just abused them. And then you say, well, I'm not doing anything while, you, while you're abusing them. And it says, but in spite of all these things, you claim I am innocent. See? He says, you're, you're, you're blinding yourself. You're not seeing what you're doing purposely. Then it says, his anger is sure to turn away from me. But I will certainly judge you because you have said I have not sinned. See, let's go back to verse 35. It says, you claim I am innocent. His anger uh, is sure to turn away from me. So you're convinced that I'm not going to punish you because you say that you're innocent. You say you're essentially saying that I'm blind and I don't see what you're doing. But I see exactly what you're doing. It says, but I will certainly judge you because you have said I have not sinned. See, you you did two things here. First, you sinned and then you denied it. So the Lord is saying, no, we're not going for that. In verse 37, it says, moreover, you will be led out from here with your hands on your head. Since your Lord has rejected those you trust, you will not succeed even with their help. So the Lord is saying in the days to come, in the years to come, you'll essentially be carried away out of here by your enemies. And that was when the, uh, the exile that is to come. And so, again, this is Jeremiah prophesying what the Lord is telling him to prophesy to the people. Obviously, they don't want to hear this. Let's go on to chapter 3. And it says, wages of apostasy. In other words, if you're going to be involved in apostasy, then there's going to be a a price to be paid. It says in chapter 3, if a man divorces his wife and she leaves him to marry another, can uh, can he ever return to her? 
wouldn't such a land become totally defiled? But you, you have prostituted yourself with many partners. Can you return to me? So the Lord is asking a rhetorical question here. And so if we drop down to verse 3, it says, this is why the showers haven't come. See, you are involved in this adulterous uh, uh, behavior. You're, you're involved in this, uh, the business of prostitution with other gods. And he says, because of that, this is why the showers haven't come. Why there has been no spring rain. You have, been, uh, you have the brazen look of a prostitute and refuse to be ashamed. He says, because of these things, not only have you involved yourselves in sin or prostitution, but you've done it brazenly. You know, you've done it without shame. He says, because of this stuff, this is why the rains haven't come. This is why the showers haven't come. You know, you can't do this stuff without having consequences. And then in, in verse 6, or the section title says, Unfaithful Israel, treacherous Judah. It says, in the days of King Josiah, the Lord asked me, have you seen what unfaithful Israel has done? She has ascended on a very high hill and gone under every tree to prostitute herself there. And the Bible can get pretty graphic. Right? <laughs> it says, my people Israel have gone under the tree and prostituted herself. She's been involved in shameful activities with foreign gods and idols and so on. In verse eight, it says, I observed, that it, I, I observed that it was because unfaithful Israel had committed adultery that I had sent her away and had given her a certificate of divorce. Ooh. Nevertheless, her treacherous sister Judah was not afraid, but also went and prostituted herself. So we would have thought that if Judah had, had been observing this, and remember the northern kingdom, Israel, uh, was taken over uh, by the Assyrians and they were exiled from their land, and, and Judah witnessed all this. See? So you would have thought that in their witnessing of what happened to Israel because of her treacherous and evil behavior, that Judah would have turned away from that. But the Lord says, no, 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 Judah went ahead and prostituted herself also. This is in verse 10. It says, yet in spite of all this, her treacherous sister Judah didn't return to me with all her heart. Only in pretense. See, the Lord is saying, look, Judah kind of halfway turned back to me after uh, the northern kingdom fell. But it wasn't in their hearts. They were just doing this for show. And so this is a warning here as well with regard to how we behave. Do we put on the Lord just for show? Or is it something that's really in us? Something that we really feel? Something that we're very, very sincere about? Let's go down to verse 19 where the, where the title says, True Repentance, not Phony Repentance. So after you recognize all this and your evil behavior, and whatnot, what do you do? It says in verse 19, it says, I thought, how long, uh, how long to make you my sons and give you a desirable land, the most beautiful inheritance of all the nations? I thought, you will call me father and never turn away from me. Verse 20, however, as a woman may betray her lover, you have betrayed me, house of Israel. This is the Lord's declaration. Verse 21, it says, a sound is heard on the, uh, on the barren heights, the children of Israel weeping and begging for mercy. For they have perverted their way, they have forgotten the Lord their God. 
And so if they are weeping, you know, why are they weeping? Are, are they weeping because of the circumstances that, that they're in? Or are they weep, weeping because maybe they recognize their error of their ways and they are truly repentant? Verse 25 says, let us, these are the people of Israel talking, let us lay down in our shame, let our disgrace cover us. We have sinned against the Lord our God, both we and our ancestors. From the time of our youth, even to this day, we have not obeyed the Lord our God. Now to me, that sounds like a sincere repentance. To me, that sounds like a heartfelt repentance. See, and from everything that I read in the Word, I'm exposed to in the Word, God responds to that type of repentance. Sincere, heartfelt repentance. And remember, repentance means to return. Re being returned, pent being to the high place. In other words, return to your stature, return to your intended stature, where God placed you on a high place above all things, that you would follow him and recognize him. And therefore, in turning to God, you're turning away from sin and wickedness. See, so if we do that sincerely, such that we really mean it, then God honors that. He honors that. So with that, we will start with uh, chapter four tomorrow. Everybody have a blessed day. You guys take care, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye now.